Yo crew, Skippy of the Skippy Report here. Welcome back to another episode of the Skippy Report. And I just want to thank you for uh, spending some time here. On this episode, I have an awesome friend, Rennie Martin Trudel. He lives uh, just outside of Quebec City. And uh, he's a great outdoor enthusiast, primarily a skier, mountain biker, creative content maker. And in this episode, he and I are going to talk about his history and uh, how it got him to where he is now. So not to take too much away from the episode, get comfortable and enjoy the next 45 minutes. All right. So yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good skiing today? Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so far this season. No way. Oh, I'm, it's still green here. Really? Yeah. I don't live in Canada. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) When, when my father moved us. Isn't it always green? (laughs) No, not always, but some years when we moved here in 1977, it was green, and I told my father, I was like, what did we do? <laughs> I said, there's no winter here. <laughs> so even eat all day. Oh, no. Oh, wow. All right, so we'll get this rolling, man. So, hey, welcome back to the Skippy Report, or to this episode of the Skippy Report. And we have a great guest, Rene Martin Trudel of Absolute Telemark and Goal TV, which stands for Get Outside Learning Hub, right? Or Great Outdoors Learning Hub. Great Outdoors Learning Hub. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Rennie Martin. Thanks for doing this. And he happens to be a a pro patroller at Le Massif in the Charlevoix region of Quebec. And he just got off the mountain. So he's sitting in his car (laughs) having his lunch at 4 p.m. It was so fun. Yeah. Day so far this year. Just going to turn you up here a little more. All right. So uh, I asked I Rennie, was, what's that? Was, I was just saying that this thing was really good. So yeah. A lot, was yeah. it a powder day I'm today? Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dumped all day. No way. Maybe 10 during the day and maybe five at the night and then 10 during the day. Wow. Maybe. That's fun. Yeah, and and as far as I'm concerned, I think Rennie Martin works in the best spot in Canada to ski. Because if nobody's ever seen pictures of Le Massif in the Charlevoix, you stand at the top of the hill and you look down into the St. Lawrence River. One of the best views, for sure. And one of the best skiing out east for sure yeah but you know it's still skiing out east so <laughs> uh you know what that's okay i i ski on the boulevard on the side of a little road here in town whenever it snows when i used to teach the kids were like are you going skiing at lunch today i was like yes and i'd <laughs> ski down 100 meters walk back up ski down another 100 meters and then go back and teach <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so uh, I asked Rene Martin here on the show so that we could talk a little bit about uh, Absolute Telemark, um, his Goal TV channel, but also I'm going to assume you've been a lifelong outdoor enthusiast. Yeah. Because you live in a I fantastic... Like, you know, like in life, what you want to do, who you want to be. And for me, it was always about 
being outdoors. Same, same here, same here. Yeah. So, uh, when did you get into skiing when you were a young kid? It started at two or three. I don't really remember. And, um, maybe the first year we did like three or four times just to say, you know, Yeah. but, uh, really, um, seasons pass was when I was four years old. So since I was four years old, all the weekends, all the time. And whereabouts did you grow up? Um, in the Montreal suburb, and we used to go skiing in the Laurentians, which is a mountain range where Tremblant is. But we went to a smaller hill. It's called Chanticleer. That's closed. Oh down. yeah, yep, yeah, cool. And now Those did... were my first few years, and then uh, moved, and then more, skied more towards uh, Mont Saint Bruno, which is a really small hill even for uh, Ontario standards, I think. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, you know what? I think it's a big hill. It's probably twice as high. <laughs> it's, a, it's 100 meters. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the same as my little place. I, I used to cross-country ski on the other side of Mont Saint-Bruno. All right. Because my family weren't alpine skiers when I was growing up. So, and I, I grew up, I, I lived in a little place called La Flèche, which became Saint-Hubert, and then I guess now it's called Longueuil. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. We kind of skied on uh, opposite sides of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I I never got introduced to alpine skiing till my dad, uh, he worked for Eaton's and he started uh, traveling ski school. So I think my first time skiing was Jay Peak. Really? Yeah. My dad would take me to uh, um, the gallery Tash Row there in Greenfield Park and we'd jump on a bus and <laughs> my sister and I would go down to the townships or into Vermont and uh, we'd go skiing on, uh, you know, on a Saturday and then my parents would pick us up on the way back. And the best story is the first day, even though my dad was the guy who arranged everything, he put us on the wrong bus. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> So there so we are. Ended up in JP. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, we were supposed to be somewhere in the townships. <laughs> no need passport back then, eh? No, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, alpine skiing—that's where you started, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's all we knew. And when I was about twelve, snowboard came around. Oh yes. My my brother got into it really big, and like all my friends. All of my friends and I tried one season and I didn't really like the vibe and the feeling. So I went back to skiing and I skied all my teens and I was the only one. I did not know one alpine skier. No way. And then a lot of them uh, came back to skiing over the years. But at first, like it was a really big trend. Snowboarding was everywhere. And when I was 17, I got into Talamark. Okay. Now, were you still at St. Bruno? Yeah, I was teaching alpine skiing, snowboarding, and then this awesome dude, he's called Tony Dinelli. He's the um, ski school director at Mont Saint-Bruno. And you have to understand that this mountain is the biggest ski school there is in Canada. No way. 500, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's over 500 uh, instructors there. And uh, this is a small, small hill. So he, he really, like, that's what makes the, the the place live, you know? Yeah. But when I got there, we were like 60 uh, ski instructors and snowboarders combined, 60 total. And when I left four years after, we were like uh, 250, something like that. 
Wow. And so that was that big boom, a, a lot because of snowboarding, but just also skiing. And he's like, the second year I was there, he's like, okay, I got the next big thing, guys. It's called Telemark. <laughs> I have just bought 100 pairs and boots. Wow. Right now. And I'm not going to rent them to the public. And you can ski as much as you want. And at the end of the season, if you want, um, I'll pay for your level one instructor Telmark. And next year, it's going to be big. We're going to have big classes. And this guy's always been like that, you know, really good skier, really good person, but really good businessman as, as well. And so it was true for the next few years. We really taught, like I had classes of, for Telmark, like the year after that, maybe we were like 20 people in the class and I had like five classes a day and wow we're like 10 instructors and so his equipment was always fully rented wow that's a dream isn't it yeah all <laughs> leather boots oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so what what year was that i know you said you're like 17 or 18 yeah 19 so that was i was 18 uh, when i started to teach and um it was uh, 1997 okay wow that's crazy or 96, 96. I'm born in 78. So, ah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. So then, <laughs> how, how, so you obviously went off to university or college or something like that afterwards? Um, no. No? I dropped and I like Telemark so much. <laughs> I just skied full time. <laughs> and, uh, and I quit alpine skiing. And, um, and yeah, I, 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 I still taught alpine skiing because I could not live just off Telemark. So then a year after, I still taught alpine skiing, and but mainly Telemark, maybe 75% of the time. And I was the most motivated of the 10 Telemark instructor that we had. Really? And um, so that was my, my last year at Mont Saint-Bruno. And then I moved out west and um, yeah. I became a ski bomb. <laughs> nice. <laughs> for two seasons. Nice. Two seasons, one year in Banff. And I worked in Monod Sports, which is a um, um, outdoor sport shop where you can buy skis and Telmark gear and stuff like that. Right. And it was great. I liked it. But I found out that skiing in Banff is not the best out west. So I moved out to Whistler. Okay. And that was really the dream. And that's a good story there if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us, man. So, yeah, so um, second year in Out West and really like the vibe and the people I was with in Banff. And then we, I wanted to move in Monod's to a position where I could work only four days and ski the three days. And it was, it was no, it was not available. So they couldn't give it to me. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to quit, you know? Right. And I moved to Whistler and they asked me two things. Do you have your level to teach? I was like, yeah, yeah, I got my level two uh, ski instructor. Ah, that's great. Do you have a place to stay? And then like, um, uh, yeah, I have a place to stay. <laughs> and I did, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's really hard to find a place to stay. It was two, 1999, 2000 that season. And um, and so we built a shack. Right. We built a shack hidden from everybody i'm not gonna say where you know what there's a there's a movie there's a movie the ski bum movie that i've seen where the guys have a shack 
and they're just ski bums and they're just flopping everywhere to sleep and they go in the chalets and when people are finished with their lunch, you see them, they go and they take the people's lunch and they finish them for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I know the type the job, of shack you have. I, I didn't, mi- I didn't mi- miss any money, but uh, yeah, no, no, it was, it was great. Uh, one of the friends, uh, we were three friends, and one of the friends had brought like a small wooden stove that uh, you can dismount. Right. And those are made to go into like winter trips with the. Uh, For tents. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Canvas tents and stuff. So we had the stove, and the rest we just build off materials that we found. And. And yeah, the, the shack stayed there for five winter. I wow. only stayed one. But uh, people stayed in it for five winter, and then one, one year, uh, Whistler dis- destroyed it. Oh, that's sad. Get the people out <laughs> because it was gonna be the Olympics. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, getting that's... rid of the ski bombs. But uh, you know, like um, I was, you know, uh, I could take my shower in the um, um, place where. The ski instructor, uh, you had like the dressing room yep. and everything. So you had showers there and, you know, like um, I could dry my boots and everything in that place. It was at the base of Whistler. And so the rest, you know, you, you have a shower, a place to have dry clothes. What do you need more, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, no, yeah, that... and I could work two days a week and ski five days. I worked with the three years old. Oh, wow. And I didn't need to put my ski boots at all. Yep. And uh, I was really happy, you know, like two times a week, I could just go into stories with the kids and just invent stuff and uh, teach them how to ski in my big mock lock boots. And, oh, yes. Yeah, it was a great one. Nice. You know what? When you're talking about living in Banff and working at the, the ski shop, that's the problem. When you work in the industry, you don't get time to do the activity that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but... I got lots of equipment for cheap, and I, I met a lot of people that were really into uh, different area that I didn't, didn't know. Right. So, um, like mountaineering, ice climbing, I, and I tried a lot of stuff, and I really liked it. So, all in all, it was really great, really good employer. Nice. Um, yeah, good philosophy there. Yeah. The shop, if you want to go, uh, more than 20 years after, I'm still recommending it. Wow, sure. that's awesome. And you know what? That's a good base for what you do with the Get Outdoors Learning Hub. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the ta- idea between... Yeah, go ahead. The idea be, behind uh, this, so is, uh, it, we changed it from a, um, we wanted to have a, a subscription membership site where people could learn about the great outdoors. Yep. And we started with um, backcountry skiing and mountain biking as our two uh, first um, activities that we could teach. And um, and this year I, I've um, stepped back and we have uh, still the YouTube that you can have yep. lots of information, uh, but um, we shut down the membership site and I wanted to concentrate more on the telemark aspect right. of the winter. That's what I like the most. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. For sure. And then, so that gets you back into your absolute telemark that you use, that you do. Yeah. So that's the ninth season. And, uh, yeah, so this, yeah, this is really what I do. I'm trying to 
get people stoked about Talmark still. Yeah. And it's, it's not the most popular. The hardcore group that's there is really, you know, where I, Le, Le Massif, one third of the ski patrols are on Talmark. Wow. So for us, it's really not dead. Like we, <clears throat> like there's a ski shop here in town that's got all the boot size, all the bindings, anyone, anything that you want, the spare parts, everything. So. Okay. So tell me, because I have all my friends here in Ontario, where to get stuff. So I, because the borders are closed, or it's more difficult to get down to New York, because we, I always recommend going to Ellicottville to the garage, uh, city garage, because they do all sorts of telemark stuff. But you know, okay. with having to get PCR tests and rapid tests, it's a little more difficult. Or I send them to Free Hill Life in Salt Lake City and Josh Madsen and his crew. But up here in Canada, there really is nowhere to get stuff, and. Um, oh, what was the name of that? La Cordie. They don't sell Telemark anymore, correct? No. Yeah, so what's correct. the name of the shop in Quebec City then where I can direct people to? It's called Ski Michel. Ski Michel, okay. Yeah, he's, uh, he's next to Mont Saint-Anne. Okay, all right. So he's just out of town a bit next to that really great ski hill that's called Mont Saint-Anne. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, he's got, he's got um, Garmin or Scott now. Yep. And uh, Scarpas, and he's got, um, yeah, um, 22 Design, Mejo, and um, Voile. Oh, yeah. Cool. So what do you ski on? <laughs> <laughs> he's feeding the birds. I mean, his friends. Wow. <laughs> My friends just offered me a beer without alcohol. So. Oh, really? Well, I have, yeah. I, I'll make up for it. I got beer with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, a friend. A friend of mine sent it from BC. Really? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, One Piece Wonder. She's a big outdoor enthusiast. It's a wow. hazelnut flat white stout, and it's mm. it's uh, the brewery is uh, uh, the Tin Whistle. It's in Penticton. Wow. Yeah, it's a good beer. Mine is called. Sober carpenter, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I and bet you an anyway. You, you know what? <clears throat> it's really good. We uh, this fall when I was at my chalet, we went down to uh, Levy because I found out yeah. recently that I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Guillaume Couture Park in Levy. No. Anyways, he is my forefather that came here from France in 1634, and I guess he was a big explorer. And, okay. uh, but one of my favorite places to visit when I'm traveling to Quebec city region is, uh, Le Monde du Bière. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm kind of thinking your buddy must've got that beer there. If that's a, an alcohol free beer. <laughs> yeah. Are microbrewery really popular in Ontario? Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. So here it's crazy. Like, uh, yeah. The only thing is the difference between Quebec and Ontario and the microbreweries is we can take our own growlers and we can go and get them filled up at the brewery, but we can't seem to do that in Quebec. We just have to buy the cans or the bottles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you if know of any place that offers it? I don't know if it's not why you can't, you wouldn't be able to do it. It's not popular for sure, but I don't, I don't think it's not allowed. Oh, okay. It's just not. Um, yeah. Okay. Because there's one that does it in, uh, Saint Julie near, near Montreal. Oh, okay. Uh, so you, you see people, have, but I, I I guess it's like a once in a month thing oh, when okay. the keg is ready. Yeah. Then you, everybody's in the lineup to uh, 
refill their jar. <laughs> right. You see, we just take, I go to my little place there called William Street Brewing, and they just fill it up right off of the draft uh, pulls. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's good. So um, you were out west. You came back to Quebec? To yeah. Quebec City? To or back? Yeah. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Chicoutimi. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I studied geography for three years, uh, two years in Chicoutimi and one year abroad. I, I did an exchange in um, an island that's owned by France. It's called La Réunion. Where is Réunion. that? It's in the Indian Ocean. Oh, cool. And it's actually the same kind of climate and the same kind of volcano as Hawaii. So really? it's really a crazy nice place. It's very popular for the French people, but nobody else seems to know about it. I thought you might have and gone uh, abroad and just went to St. Pierre Miquelon. <laughs> no. <laughs> that wouldn't have been very no, far I, from Chicou to me. I wanted to go in a place there was no skiing because just um, make something different because I've always just skied, skied, skied. Yep. And also to, to help me concentrate on my studies. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And that's the truth. Yeah. That was my first choice was to go on that island. And then I chose my second choice. If that university would not have picked me up was um, the Alps, Grenoble. Oh, yeah. And then the third was the Pyrenees, which is uh, Perpignan. Yeah. And I was like relieved that I didn't get to go to the Alps because I was like, oh, I'm not going to finish my degree if I go there. <laughs> yeah. That, that was like me when oh. I finished university. A friend of mine, as I went to university in Sudbury, and then he came and did his master's in biomechanics in Toronto. So he's like living right downtown. And when I'd go visit him and I was working in construction, I was like, Pat, how do you get any work done down here? Like I'd be just walking around, checking everything out. There's no way I could concentrate on school. So I could imagine, you know, living in a ski region, trying to yeah. get your studies done. Yeah. And that place that, my university was is Shikusimi. I picked it up because it's the university that's closest to the mountain range with the most snowfall in Quebec. <laughs> really? Yeah. And and so what? That's two hours north of uh, Quebec City. Okay. So what's what mountain range is that? Uh, it's called um, Les Monts Valin. Okay. I I Mont thought Valin. I thought uh, Shikshak might have uh, had uh, lots of snow. Yes, but there's no university close. Oh, yeah, okay. So I, think, I think the university was the, the university. most <laughs> Not the mountain range with the most snowfall. Yeah. All right, I got that. So, so yeah, it's uh, the mountain range is called V-A-L-I-N. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, a, an average... On of 10 meters, that's numbers that we see out west. Yeah, 33 feet, 33 feet, yeah. And uh, that's in the national park, so you can go and ski backcountry if you want, but there's no resort. But really, uh, on the other side of that uh, big, big uh, massif, yep. there's a, a, a ski resort that's called Valinoué, so a derivative of Valin, Valinoué. Yep. And that gets about seven meters average a, a season and that's the most that we get in the ski resort in quebec really and a hundred percent natural snow and when you get to those numbers like that's more than in banff you know like right that's more than than lake louise or places like that you know so it's really decent 
So, so I missed a couple of Wednesdays going skiing 60 centimeters of bow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so while well, we're talking about the Valais area and the national park and yeah. ski resorts, I have a friend. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever met him. His name is uh, David Kilborn, but he's just bought a truck with a truck camper on it and it's a ski house. Right. So, right. and he loves going, he goes to, uh, I don't know what the name of the ski resort is. I think you can see it from Le Massif. It's further east. Okay. Anyway, so Grand he likes, Fond. what is it? Grand Fond. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So yeah. for Dave, when he's going out there, can you recommend some ski resorts for him to visit? He'd do backcountry, but his partner doesn't, she's an alpine skier and she doesn't uh, backcountry. Well, around Grand Fond? Yeah. Or or anywhere else, because he's got all that set up, so he can just go anywhere, anytime. Well, for sure, he could go in um, cl- where I am at Le Massif. Yeah, he's been there. The yeah. yeah, and then he can go the other way uh, to um, Mont Edouard. Oh, okay, Saguenay. Yeah, so that's the region I studied. So, okay. So yeah, it's about an hour from where he is. Okay, and that's got like a really fun vibe, awesome community. Mont Edouard. Right. I used to patrol there when I was uh, at university. That's where I went to patrol. Oh, cool. And so, yeah. When did you make the transition from coaching or or instructing to being a patroller at university? At university. Yeah. For, and, because um, back then uh, the government was really uh, generous for people that. Uh, left uh, work and went back to university. Yep. So I had lots of um, um, loans and um, bourses, how do you say bourses? So money that's given. Uh, you study you bursaries, to, yes. So you don't have to give it back. Yeah, bursaries. So I, I could live really well without, you know, working during the, I worked in the summer, but not during the winter. Right. So I was like, yeah, just keep patrolling. So because of the Talmark festivals that, Yes. We met and that are really big out east. Yep. And so there was that crew from Tremblant that uh, were ski patrollers. There. Yeah, they were like and the Blue Angels toured. or something like that, right? I can't remember what they were called. They have some, you should, uh, people who are listening, check out YouTube. They have some pretty insane YouTube videos. Yeah. So all that crew, uh, very good Talmark skiers. They yeah. were all patrollers, pro patrollers. And so it kind of inspired me to... To become a, a, a patroller, yeah. um, the lifestyle, the vibe was really awesome. And um, there was not really any um, telemark uh, classes in Mont-Edouard, that mountain where I was uh, patrolling. So I was like, yeah, why not? You know, so yeah. I took my course and uh, I really liked it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's really made a, a shift in my uh, career. And you've been patrolling ever since. Ever since, yeah. Ever since. So how many days a year are you on skis? Man, it varies a lot, eh? Um, you could say every day aging. you're working. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, maybe the last five years, it's around 60 to 70. Yeah. And, um, but I had years of 135. That wow. was my biggest, 137, I think. Yeah. And, uh Yeah. So 137, I think I, I took five days off during the whole winter. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So, but out of the 70, I do. Now, last year it varied because of COVID, but 
the year prior was like more than half were uh, backcountry. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So I only patrol part time now. So oh, do you? One or two, one or two days a week. Yeah. And I manage the new ones that want to join the ski patrol here. Okay. So I, I give them lessons on how to become a patroller if you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We see those guys yeah. at our hill practicing, tonguing down with the toboggan and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So, um, when did you get the idea for your absolute telemark telemark lessons? Um, and how did you get it? Yeah, that's a great question. So the real idea came from my brother. We were a canoe camping in um, in Jacques Cartier National Park, and he's like, you know, like the problem with. Uh, you know, he's a snowboarder and uh, he wanted to try telemark and his brother, me, lives like many hundred kilometers away and he's like, it's hard, man, to just find the resources and you should do something on, on the internet. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've thought about that. You know, I, I'm going to do it on YouTube. Right. And he's like, well, I'm not sure YouTube is such a great idea because if you put all the classes on YouTube, it's going to be really hard for you to make a living. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? And he's like, you should do like just the courses that you could sell. Right. And you can give lots of lessons for free and still get like the vibe going and share the passion and everything. But if you give it all, you know, it's going to be hard. So I was like, oh, okay, I'd like to give it all and not charge anybody, but the, the the, 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 the money was just not there. So right. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and see. I was really uncomfortable selling something. I was not a businessman at all, you know. And then, so I tried. And the first year, I just did the blog and recorded the videos and learned how to do the montage with the editing program and right. everything, you know. And so then the second year, I, I launched a thing and it was an instant success. Like, I couldn't believe that People would like to pay for these and that it was, you know, I never made a fortune with that, but at least like it pays for the cameraman, it right. pays for the equipment, for the ski ticket for the cameraman when I, you know. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So ever since uh, I've been uh, I've been doing that. So the, the, the idea came from that. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Now, you talked about having your, getting your level one telemark. What credentials do you have for telemark you've obviously continued along the continuum I never of, did oh no are you still level one yeah oh that's just 20 like 20 something years of my level one <laughs> that's like me but you know, <laughs> um I, like in the last few years i really want to keep going and do level two and three and like not to brag but i think i'm at that level oh for sure at that level for many 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 years now yep and it's, it's just that for once, it's not something that's readily available every year. So yeah. here in Quebec, one year they'll do a level two and one year they'll do a level three. But now the last two seasons, because of COVID, they have not done any. Right. And the year before that was the level three, which I didn't have. So it was like, it's, I think it's been four years since there was a level two. Right. And um, for many years, like, um, I didn't teach really. I was a pro ski patroller full-time. I've done that for, like, close to 15 years, you know. And, 
yeah so and then it's just in the last few years that i've kind of changed and i started guiding more and uh, the website took a lot more time, so I only patrol two days a week. What do you do the rest of the day, Renee? So, yeah, I spend maybe three days on my computer just answering emails, uh, uh, preparing new uh, material for uh, the, the the website or or the YouTube. Or, right. So, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. And uh, you know what? As I've been doing my podcasting, I'm learning – how to craft things so I don't have to edit it as much. But it, it would be, I don't know how many times harder if you're doing video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to continue skiing, try and get this shot. You're doing this. And I remember taking mm -hmm. my class to a, a place in Toronto related to the Toronto film festival, the educational thing. And we were there the whole day filming for six hours and when the editor was all finished, we got 30 seconds worth of video. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy the amount yeah. of content that you need that you don't even use when you're putting something together. Yeah. So I've been working on a mogul um, tutorial for Talmart, and it took me two years. And wow. I didn't slack off, you know, like I really worked hard. And that's the one I'm the most proud because I think it's just – really complete yeah and with that standard i started to do the a carving specific to carving on talamar yeah and that's even harder because most the most like the number one thing is that um when you're carving you're going faster and right. covering a lot more ground yeah so your takes are all like two seconds yes and then you're halfway down the mountain yeah. and then two seconds you're halfway down the mountain and you have you know, you take the chair list for 15 minutes yeah, and you have four seconds of videos. Right. And you have to do like, in my standards, it's going to be maybe three videos of 25 minutes. Yes. You know, so imagine. Yeah, two, that's a whole season. You know, four, yeah. So, yeah, now it's the third season. I'm working on it. Right. And I've started to publish some stuff on YouTube um, in the last weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that too. But. It's a lot of work to do the carving stuff. I bet. I bet. So where do people find you on YouTube? Oh, it's called Absolute Talmark. Perfect. So, yeah. I didn't know if you went under your name. Well, I know that no. it's Absolute Talmark, but just in case people were searching. No, so no, it's not under my name. Yeah. So you, so it's that, yeah. So you can look for Talmark specific stuff is all under Absolute Talmark. Yeah. And if you want to learn about um, the backcountry side, and the funny thing is that I teach the backcountry stuff on my Telemark gear. Right. But I have the Medjool 3 with yes. the Alpine Hill lock. Okay. So I just lock the hill, and then I can uh, do the – because people wouldn't understand, you know. Well, that that's funny because you just ha you just commented on a post on Facebook about uh, the heel lock. Remember yeah. some guy had, was at a shop or something yeah, like yeah. that, and he saw that and – I remember your yeah. comment about that. Now, how do you how do yeah. you find that? How do you find that heel lock on the Major Three? Awesome. Yeah. And last year, I tried a, um, a really light touring binding that's uh, um, LU two hundred by Black Diamond, and um, it's really hard to ski those kind of bindings because uh, they're really light and they're great for touring. But as soon as you're going charging down the mountain there's 
you know, it's not so hard to have a pre-release. Right. So you're tempted to get the din to the max and right. then you're scared for your knees. Right. But with the Mejo Alpine Hill system, the the fact that the release system is adjustable and it's all in telemark mode that you adjust the tension. Oh, nice. Um, there's no resistance in the Alpine Hill set to release. So, and even if it releases um, upward, yeah. you're still in telemark mode. So you're not like bailing forward. Like it's yeah, just yeah. better. Oh, nice. It's just better. Nice. Yeah. Now, do you use so, do you use that setup on the on the normal groomers? No. Oh, yeah. That that one is but, when I was visiting visiting the guys in Salt Lake City. They all said that was their their backcountry setup. The Mejo on a pair of Wale skis. Yeah. 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 So I have <clears throat> two setup. One this year I've not tried yet. It's on a ninety-eight millimeter. So it's a medjool with the Alpine heel set. Right. So 98 for out east, it's still a, it can be a backcountry, but I'm going to patrol with that. So I'm going to do carving on piece, but am I going to lock the hill for that? No. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, the medjool with the Alpine heel set I've had for many years now is on a 115. So a powder ski, really, right. my guiding. It was really meant for me when I was guiding because I was guiding in 75 millimeter. I was guiding in the Mejo 1, the Mejo 2, the Mejo 2.1. And I tried the Alpine Hill set and it really is for, you know, when you're guiding, you have a heavy backpack. Right. You're carrying, uh, you know, extra gear for everybody in your group. You're carrying the the, the first aid kit, the toboggan that, uh, you know, yeah. like the pack is weighing at least like 35 uh, pounds, so yep. not super, super heavy, but it can get to more. So that's that's the real reason. Tile marking with the heavy pack, if the snow is variable, it's just so hard. I know a friend it's of mine. So demanding. A friend of mine who's uh, that was uh, the technical director for Cansey. He and his wife go out west and they go hut skiing, and uh, he goes, "When we have our packs on, we don't telemark." We do alpine turns, and when we do telemark yeah. turns is when we leave the packs in the hut, and then we go out for the day from there. Yeah. So it's a choice, you know? Yeah. I love the telemark feeling, and that's really, like, I love skiing, and I love snowboarding. Like, they're great activity, and most of my friends, they can be on either, and I really don't care, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the feeling of telemark is just above for me oh yeah so yeah yeah so why not you know like why not i have the whole binding that could do it all yes like that binding in mejo three you can tour yeah you can telemark and you can alpine nice so why not you know yeah for sure and then uh i'm trying to ski alpine ski the least possible just because it's not the turn that i like the most right right cool so uh, we've talked about uh, Absolute Telemark. What was your reason for getting into the Great Outdoor Learning Hub, which was kind of the same setup as Absolute Telemark, right? It was like a subscription. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, the idea was... Because you did that with like, a friend also. Yes. So two problems with Absolute Telemark, uh, business-wise, if you want. One, it's a seasonal sport. Right. So I... You know, 
I could make some money from November to March and then nothing. So I had a job in a provincial park in the summer. It was really fun and I liked it. And I've done that for 10 years. And then I was like, oh, I'd like to try something else. You know, I really like that lifestyle in the winter that, you know, I can have like little jobs here and there and have fun and right. work two, three days on my computer. And so I wanted that year round, but you can't do that with Talmark. So what else can I teach? And I'm not really like, I really think like I'm an expert in Talmark, but I'm no expert in anything else except maybe touring, you know, so right. That's another winter sport. So I was like, ah, oh, what do I do? You know? <laughs> And so I'm not super good at cooking either. So I'm not going to start a cooking channel. But um, yeah, so uh, so that friend had uh, the, the idea of creating a hub and he was approaching me to, I was like, yeah, sure. Well, that's a good idea. And then uh, we, um, we met with somebody that could do the mountain biking stuff. And it was a great, great idea and a we did a great product uh, for mountain biking. It was really a good lesson. Uh, really proud of that. So that was the idea. It was for me to get like the year round um, job or self-employed. Right. And so it didn't work the way we wanted for many reasons. It's, it's just, it's a new business. You have to put in the time to right. get it to be known and stuff like that. So that's why we're stepping back back and uh putting more stuff on youtube to get more publicity right and we'll see where it ends nice nice so, so things in the future ski so ski in the last ski two years <laughs> yeah in the last two years i've started my like own um uh production company and i've nice. done some corporate stuff filming uh, for others and editing so i've become really good at uh, video editing Nice. And I like doing that. So, and then I've started in French two YouTube channels that um, uh, are, I am the host yeah. <laughs> of the show. So one is mountain biking and it's me discovering this sport where I'm really, I was really a beginner at the time. Right. And now I'd say I'm an advanced mountain biker just because I did so much right. in three years. So that one is called, uh, it's a YouTube channel. There's nothing more than that. And that's un sofa dans le bois. Okay. So a couch in the woods. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I'm going after people that are uh, in that community and I sit them in my bean bag, you know, those huge yeah. bean, bean bags. That, yeah. So, um, and then we sit and we interview them and we go ride and, so I, I'm really, really oh, proud of cool. that. Yeah. It was um, financed by a, a bike shop here in town in Quebec. It's called Demers. So, yeah. And then we did the same for um, backcountry skiing here with uh, the Quebec Federation for uh, Ski Touring. Okay. So that, that's called FQME. Yeah. So it's uh, ski touring and uh, climbing, rock climbing. Right. And that federation has... Um, Oh, that's Start, that. That's like, that funny video that you put on with that guy in the bush, not following all the rules, yeah. and I I saw that. Yeah. yeah, that was right on. Yeah, so that was the first episode, and we've done five more. Right, and it's kind of the same thing. I go in different places in Quebec, in Gaspésie, or around Quebec City, or 
wherever, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's lots of spot now that needs to be discovered, people that needs to be heard. And we're developing that um, that um, uh, network of places to go and, and backcountry ski or Talmark or, right. or, or splitboard or whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to go down on your crocodile, inflatable crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> Is that not what you had last time we saw each other? <laughs> the inflatable crocodile going down the hill? No, but I'm always joking with that because it's just so fun to see a sport where you can still, you, know, you need the knowledge. You need to, to respect the sport and, and take it step by step because there's yeah. no rules. You can do whatever you want, but the no rule comes with a price and that's you need the knowledge and to educate yourself and it, so that web series is called no trace our track okay no trace right and so yeah so that's for uh that other channel nice uh youtube channel so in the winter i have a web series in the summer i have a web series the the absolute telemark stuff the gold.tv stuff so for youtube channels that i'm doing now wow that man yeah. you're a busy man and you know what when you're talking about doing work for other people filming and that sort of stuff that reminds me i, yeah. I interviewed bevan Waite in uh tahoe <clears throat> in california wow. and he's working yeah. uh you know he's an architect he loves telemark mm -hmm. skiing and you know he and uh, ty dayberry put those uh movies together the telemark movies yeah. and and he's, he's enjoying the filmmaking so much that he's leaving architecture and doing film filmmaking yeah yeah for corporate it's, people and stuff like that right on right on yeah it's really fun it's a lot of work but yeah nice well you know what i'm going to let you go because you got to get home to your family he's rennie martin is still sitting in the parking lot and i can hear i don't know are they cars or snow snowmobiles going by you yeah, it's the neighbor that's uh, going around. Oh. Normal <laughs> having fun. <laughs> right on. Anyway, so thank yeah. you very much for doing this, Rene Martin. And hey, my pleasure, Keith. Anytime. All Anytime. right. And and we can find you on uh, Instagram, correct, also? Oh, I'm not very present on Instagram. I have an account. But, but you, the but best you... way to reach me, if you want, is uh, through the website, absolutetalmark.com. Oh, perfect. I have a newsletter there or... The email is renee.martin at absolutetalmark.com. Right. Nice. Or Facebook, Renee Martin Trudell. Perfect. I'm more a Facebook guy than Instagram. Right. Okay, cool. And we got to do a shout out to uh, Ski Michelle, right, for telemark equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he will ship. He will ship. And, uh, yeah, I think it's good to have a shop that believes in telemark still. And, yeah, and for sure. supports it. Yeah. There's another one also that's great. It's in Rimouski. It's even further east if you're going to the Chic Shocks. It's a good place to stop. It's called Gendron Sports. Okay. Gendron. Yeah. Nice. So he's got it all also. He's got everything. Good. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, sitting in on the podcast after uh, spending a whole day on the slopes. My pleasure, Keats. Anytime. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers, buddy. Well, there you have it, crew. Episode 22 of the Skipper Report in the books. A huge thank you to Rennie Martin Trudel for taking the time sitting in his car while doing this interview on the Skipper Report after patrolling all day long at Le Massif in Quebec in the Charlevoix region. 
And uh, if you're wondering where to find him, find him on YouTube, Absolute Telemark. You can find him uh, his Great Outdoor Learning Hub on YouTube also. You can also find him on the World Wide Web, uh, www.absolutetelemark.com, where you can find lessons, emails, podcast, you name it. Check him out. Show him some love. And also a huge shout out to Ski Michel in St. Anne in Quebec for carrying telemark equipment and showing the love that our sport needs. Anyway, so check back for another episode in the near future. Skippy out.